Um, that's the path I'm heading down. So often our identity is part of who we are that can be formed from what we do, from our, from our job, from our, our background. It can be a, we can be a teacher, we can be a truck driver, we can be an electrician, we can a stay-at-home mum. And that becomes part of who we are. It becomes who we are known as. But I don't know whether that's who we should be as a true person. Ephesians 1, 4 and 5 says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will. So if you're in Christ, you have a new identity. You have a new family. You are adopted into the family of Christ. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons and daughters. And, and through that, we take on a different identity. I'm fortunate to work in a position where I get to help people overcome adversity. Whether they have contracted through illness or by accident, but people lose the ability to do things that once they were able to do, especially in relation to driving. And for most of those in that situation, it's not only losing that ability, it's losing that identity. It's losing who they are. Be part of a team that restores hope and gives back that ability where there was disability, I'm, I'm very blessed. To see the face on someone who's lost the ability to drive, and when that ability is restored, is incredible. And it, it's the restoring of who they are. It's the restoring of that ability, and it's the restoring of an identity. I have met a guy through work and he, he, through his company, is a major supplier of car hand controls. The first time we met, he pulled up in the car park in his little Audi A4. He pulled his titanium alloy wheelchair across the top of him, put the wheels on, transitioned into it and rolled into the shop. He was, he was obviously at that meeting a guy who had a great passion for life and a great passion for what he was doing. And of course, he's, he's a paraplegic. He, he managed his way around our building. He was doing a training session with us on, on his gear. Um, managed his way around our old building, through the yard, out the back. Nothing was too much trouble for, the, for him. I didn't think too much more of his story. I didn't, didn't search into his background. I just knew him for who he was. Until it was, we were at actually Chris's, a uh, few drinks we were having for Chris's wedding the week before. And one of Chris's mates who was an avid wannabe stair climber, he said to me, you know Paul? I said, yeah, I do. I said, he's a great guy. And he proceeded to tell me, about what he was involved in in his sport prior to his accident and how he was world-class in his field. He was, a, he was a stair climber. People who run up buildings like the Empire State Building and Eureka Tower and you know, Chrysler Tower and those sort of places. They're... 
So a Google search later, I found out that Paul was, in fact, a top steer racer his time, and he'd, he'd held world records. And when he, he was at an age where he thought that, that his career was over there, he was transitioning to cycling as a chosen sport. He had a freak accident that left him with a broken spine, and he'd never walk again. So I'm sure he had days, and I'm sure he talked about days, where he didn't want to go on. But he did. And he's now helping others in similar situations to regain ability and identity. So there's a transition happened there from one identity as an elite athlete to another, a person who helps people find hope through their adversity. I'm troubled to see people who have endured far less than some of these guys and who are bound in their disability, bound in something that just holds them back from releasing them into who they can be. So why is it that so many stay trapped in disability? And I, I don't mean just a physical disability, it's probably more so a mental and a spiritual disability. Why do people stay trapped? I think there's a big background thing here I just uh, I, I needed to explore. Uh, one thing I remember from our, the Kids Hope training that I've been through for years and the conferences that I've been to, that up until the age of seven or nine, that any traumatic experience that kids encounter, negative situations, they'll have a marked effect on their personality and their identity. Any violence in the home, any abuse, whether it be physical, sexual abuse, and the, just simple put-downs, simple put-downs in words will have a marked effect on them. So at the age, depending, boys, girls and different kids, but between seven and nine, kids form an identity based on their experience of life. And that becomes who they are and who they transition into adulthood with. Let's park that thought and we'll keep moving on, but I'm going to come back to these, these couple of points. To Luke 6.46, says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I will show what he is like, who comes to me and hears my words and puts them into practice. He is like a man building a house who dug down deep and laid the foundation on rock. When the flood came, the torrent struck, that house could not shake it but could not shake it because it was well built. But one who hears my word and does not put them into practice is like the man who built a house on the ground without foundation, on the sand. The moment the torrent struck that house, it collapsed and its destruction was complete. So I believe there's something involved in this, that we, how we, we base our foundation what we build ourselves on has a marked effect on overcoming our past disabilities. So Jesus often used building terms in his preaching. He was, after all, a carpenter before he went into full-time ministry, so building terms were very familiar. But here the reference to building terms, he's not talking about a structural building, he's talking about a building and what we do to build our lives and what we should base our foundation on. He says to dig deep and find the foundation rock. 
it's not a superficial thing. It's not a surface thing. We've got to dig deep into who he is, into the word, into who we are. And sometimes that involves some pain. The foundation stone in Isaiah 28, 16, it says, See here I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. And the one who trusts will never be dismayed. Isaiah foresaw the coming Messiah, the Christ who would become the cornerstone of Christian faith. And note, a cornerstone or foundation stone is a stone first laid in a building. It is cut true and is cut square and it's laid by the master builder, laid level. So any further measurements and levels are taken from that stone. So if we base our lives on Christ the rock, it's true. It is, he is square. He is a reference point that cannot be wrong. So... Is Jesus the foundation stone of your faith? Is he the rock on which you were building? Are you digging deep to find the best anchor points in him for you? Interesting thing about rocks. This sort of struck me when I was going through that particular passage. A few years ago when our guys were young and all at home, we would load up the car and head down to the beach near Apollo Bay. And just to the east of Apollo Bay, there was a small rocky outcrop and the boys would explore the rock pools and find all sorts of creatures and we'd lose a day there. It, had, it was great fun. It's years later, Anna and I, we just happened to be back in the same place and I noticed that that rocky outcrop was almost completely covered by sand under the sand, there's rock. To dig through the sand. I mean, it's, it's there and it's always going to be there, but you can dig through it and find solid rock. You dig deep and get to the rock. So Jesus says in Luke 6 to not build on the sand, but on solid rock. So under the sand, there is a solid foundation. So if Jesus is the foundation rock, what is the sand? Go back to Isaiah 28, 14 and the New King James. It said, Therefore, hear the word of the Lord, you scornful men, who rule this people who are in Jerusalem. Because you have said, I have entered into a covenant of death, and with Shoal we are in agreement. When the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us. For we have made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves. Therefore thus says the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious stone, a sure foundation. Whoever believes will not act hastily. Also I will make justice the measuring line, and righteousness the plummet, or the plumb line. Hail will sweep away your refuge of lies, and waters will overflow the hiding place. Your covenant with death will be annulled, and your agreement with Shoal will not stand. So the sand, it's all that stuff from the past, the lies that we've been sold, the, the things that we've been led to believe about ourselves 
that simply aren't true. Falsehood, the stuff that we believe to be true, but it isn't. So we build our life. So yeah, Building our life on the sand is allowing the life before Christ to take control of our life after we say yes. We can all have a bunch of stuff from our childhood that can subconsciously influence our now. It's easy to say that God can fix all this stuff, and the, but the hard part is knowing what this stuff is and then to let go of it. Often stuff from the past is so deeply entrenched in who we are that it becomes who we are. It becomes our identity. An identity that's based in falsehood. So go back to, to Paul from work and I say, he had a, a couple of interviews that are online. It asked if he would consider pursuing a sport in Paralympics. His reply was that that time of my life is finished. I've, he had no desire to compete anymore. His life is now helping people in similar situations to himself to find hope. So the past was gone. There was never any going back. Never to return. He was embracing the future. Embracing a new identity. Something that we can sometimes find hard to do. So remember what 2 Corinthians 5.17 says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. Simple answer. We say yes to Christ and he makes all things new. Why do we get to these points in our lives where we hit these brick walls that we can't get through and we can't move on? No matter how hard we try, we keep slipping up in these old ways. We keep slipping back into the old addictions. We keep slipping back into the, the old stuff, the stuff from before that we know we don't want to do, that we know we shouldn't do, we know we shouldn't be involved in, but we keep going back there. Why is that? As you remember, there's always one who doesn't want you to be a new creation. Who, when you stuff up, will throw guilt, will throw shame at you and will trap you in that world. As believers, part of an identity crisis, there can be a lie from the past that's so deeply impressed into ourself, it's deeply impressed into our identity that without working back into its origin, that its hold cannot be broken. For some, professional help would be recommended to unpack the past. For some, you, and, and it's even unpacking the simple things. And we should never be afraid to seek help. The relief at the end is refreshing. I've had help to unpack my family dynamic. And there's stuff that I, I've put back there from when I was six or seven is unpacked and I gain an interest, gain an understanding why I react the way I do when I'm pushed in certain specific situations. And for me to go back and understand that, and I, 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 have, I have issues when I am confronted with aggressive men, angry people, 
and I, I don't know why. I can go and feel like I need to go and sit in the corner in the fetal position and cry or go and put my arm around them and introduce them to a brick wall. And I think I shouldn't be doing either of those things. I should just deal with it. But to understand and unpack that stuff, I, can, I, I now have tools that can help me deal with that when those situations arise. So how's your self-building going? Are you able to dig deep into Christ and find the true definition of who you are, of who he wants you to be? Karen? I'm going to wind up early today. If you feel led or feel the need to pray for release from the lies of the past, I'm happy to do that today. It's a journey we've been on. But I, I find for me, the things I do is I, I, I go back and I look at the life of David. Now David, certainly a guy who sought after God's heart. He was a guy who stuffed up in a big way from time to time. But he still sought after God's heart. And you can get his heart from from just reading some of the Psalms. This is Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, When my enemies and foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then I will be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, and this is what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble, he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me. At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy I will sing and make music to the Lord. I think you can open up any one, any number of the Psalms that David's written, and you just get this feeling of joy, of reliance on his heavenly Father, of reliance on his relationship with God. And I, I think, for me, if I can take some of that into my life into the way I do things then maybe I'll become a better person thank you enjoy the day I say I'm happy the team here are happy to pray about 